Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the ISI Life podcast. Today, we have Dr. Michael Brown with us, who was a referral from one of our members who had worked with Dr. Michael Brown up at Bowling Green State University. He heads up sales and marketing for Bowling Green, and in addition to that, runs DMB Coaching as a coach, a speaker, an author, and many other things. He has great wisdom, great nuggets, and I think you guys will really enjoy the conversation that we are about to have. So until then, stay sharp, everybody. Okay, ready to roll? I'm ready to roll. All right. Dr. Michael Brown, thanks for being with us today. Appreciate you being on the ISI Life podcast. When uh, when you spoke at ISI, when I knew that there was a day that would come that I would interview you for the podcast, I thought, what in the world? <laughs> With all the things you talked about, how are we going to condense this down into 35 minutes? So we're going to do our best. It's an honor to be with you, Nick. <laughs> Thank you very much. So for those of us who don't know you, and give us the, the brief background on where you came from and how you got to the spot that you're in today. Yeah, so I worked in campus ministry for many, many years, and through a series of events, ended up launching two major initiatives at Bowling Green State University. One was a spiritual dorm that focused on the big questions of life and all the different dimensions of life and helping explorers and seekers kind of begin to engage with questions of deeper meaning. About that same time, I was also launching uh, an initiative called Vanguard, which was to help college-age men begin to really discover and explore this idea of what does it mean to be a real man. And so um, that was really fascinating. That was happening all about the same time in 2000, I guess 2012, um, actually 2008, and then um, went ahead and launched uh, DMB Coaching just five years ago, which is how we met. Because obviously at this point in time, uh, I'm working around the country, uh, consulting and coaching and helping organizations and individuals become the best version of themselves. Yeah. And obviously, the uh, the guys at the last retreat really resonated well with a lot of things you had to say. Well, I resonated with them. I felt <laughs> like the gentleman that you brought into that space for those few hours and even the day uh, really embodied a real passion for those things that most matter. And investing their lives and becoming the best versions of themselves but then they also had this really rare quality that I don't see in a lot of men today, and that is grit and tenacity and proactivity. Because I think if we're honest, we love talking about things. We love mm-hmm. thinking about things. And yet very rarely do I encounter men who actually are going to do things and put these lessons and these insights into practice in their daily life yeah. through real choices. How did you, what made you pick up on that? Well, I think just being in the room and just seeing them lean forward, taking notes, um, giving examples from their own lives Mm -hmm. as to uh, actions they've already executed, choices they've already made, and you can tell they just wanted more of the same. It wasn't like they were showing up and never giving these things thought. They were there because they were hungry. Mm. And they were ready to change, and they were looking for compelling big principles that would inspire them, but also practices and choices that would actually take them the next step. Yeah, it's awesome. Glad you saw that. I yeah, feel, it was I, feel that's, I feel that same way. But I'm, I mean, I'm so encouraged by 
the group, which has changed a little bit from, you know, retreat to retreat. But the common theme is that the guys are serious. They're trying to be intentional. Mm-hmm. They're trying to, you know, become the best version of themselves. Well, and my two favorite words in the English language are intentionality and undeservedly. And in many ways, what I was sensing mm-hmm. from my time with these men is they believe that. So intentionality is my favorite word in the English language because very rarely do significant outcomes happen spontaneously. It's usually a result of true intentional choices. Hmm. But then secondly is this idea of undeservedly that every fantastic, wonderful thing in my life was a gift Hmm. and that I don't deserve anything, that I'm entitled to nothing, And that puts me in a really great mindset as I think about my life. I want to be intentional, but also as I am being intentional and achieving oftentimes much and achieving and accomplishing great goals in my life to realize everything that I'm achieving, even the ability to achieve, the ability to accomplish was actually given as a gift to me first. Hmm. Oh, man. We're going to get us way off track with this. <laughs> this is awesome. Nothing's off track. It's all about I, I love what it looks like to live out our calling and to live out our identity for which the creator designed us to be. Hmm. And I think so often we spend so much time looking for external cues around the world and through jobs and through career and through validation in our relationships, trying to find ourselves when we were created by a God who actually said explicitly, this is who you are. Hmm. And so to the other piece of it, the, the intentional piece, you talked about being a real man, and part of that's rejecting passivity and irresponsibility. Is that So I want you to read off what you wrote on that board okay. as the... As the the summation of your two and a half hours and your time with the ISI guys, because I think it's it's powerful, and then we can kind of see where it leads. Yeah, so I, as I was sitting there, actually I, I hadn't formulated exactly where we were going to head until I was sitting there listening to the first speaker, because there's so many things going on in my heart and mind, uh, even in my few minutes there, before I got up to speak. But uh, the way I put it together in preparation, just literally minutes before, was this idea that I wanted to talk with these men about this idea. That a real man, R-E-A-L, is someone who is growing as a life-giving leader, living out all essentials in all 12 dimensions of their life as God's friend in the power of Christ within. So you mentioned real, R-E-A-L. That actually is foundational to some of the things that I teach because it's an identity conversation. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? And I get this a lot. I work with college men. I work with professional athletes. I work with college athletes. I work with young entrepreneurs, CEOs who are oftentimes thinking to themselves, do I have what it takes? How do I know when I'm a real man? Mm. And so uh, in, in true form for me, loving acrostics, I came up with this idea of R-E-A-L, that real men are those who reject passivity and irresponsibility, as you mentioned. But they're also, secondly, those who exhibit, this is the E, honesty and integrity, A, appreciate connectedness and transparency. And then, of course, L, uh, the famous topic we all like to talk about, leadership, to lead intentionally, there's that word, and authentically. 
And so when I think about even raising my sons, I have four of them, five daughters, four sons. When I think about raising my four sons, I want them to be real. Quite honestly, I want my daughters to be real women, R-E-A-L. In fact, it's not gender specific Mm -hmm. that we can be real. And I think it begins with that idea of rejecting passivity and irresponsibility that we don't have to be lazy. We don't have to be undisciplined, unproductive, or numb. And we can stop coasting. And for many of us, as young men, as middle-aged men, as older men, we just find ourselves often in this posture of mediocrity where we just exist. And we assume that we will grow into this extraordinary human being at the end of our lives without taking responsibility to make choices, and we just are passive. Hmm. And so if I can reject that right out of the gate, I think it really sets me up to, to be a real man. Secondly is this idea of exhibiting honesty and integrity, that I don't have to hide, that I don't have to lie or pretend or distance myself from people. And most specifically, I don't have to keep that big secret. Because oftentimes, if we're honest, there are things about us that no one else knows. And there's a a lot of reasons for why that could be the case, mostly rooted in fear. But our struggles and our scars and our skeletons and our secrets, we keep away from people because we fear that if they know that, then they will reject us. What happens then is we don't live a life that exhibits honesty and integrity. We live being someone other than ourselves. Which is why I follow up with A, which is appreciating connectedness and transparency. Because I'm deeply connected to you, Nick. I'm deeply connected to Matthew, who's here in the room. And I'm connected to this community of brothers and a larger community of Christ followers and even the global village humanity that I need people. And that we cannot do it alone that we are connected. And because of that, I can also be transparent. I don't need to wear a mask. I don't need to keep my feelings bottled up. I don't need to trudge through life alone. That I can enjoy transformative relationships with human beings because I am both fully known and unconditionally loved simultaneously. But most of us spend our lives in loneliness because we let no one see and no one know. So typically when we think about real manhood, we think about L being a leader. But in many ways, this L of leading intentionally and authentically, it flows out of those first three. If I'm not rejecting passivity and irresponsibility, if I'm not honest and have integrity, if I'm not connected deeply to other human beings where I can be transparent and vulnerable, I'm not going to be able to lead authentically and intentionally. I'm not going to be able to lead out and to serve I'm going to shrink back. I'm going to, I'm going to hesitate. I'm going to avoid risks. I'm going to wait for someone else in the room to take the initiative. I'm not going to try new things because what if I fail? And I am a firm proponent that failure is so helpful. In fact, one of our greatest fears is that we will come to the end of our lives having been a failure, hmm. which will never happen if we're willing to fail on a regular basis. Yeah. Try new things, taking risks, and so it's forth. Tough to do. Yeah. So that's what I think about when I think about real and what it means to be a real man. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that. So just you work with a lot of people and say you were working with a, a new person who was uh, who felt like they were um, flatlining or mm. they were coasting or they were mediocre. 
how would you use this tool with that person? Just kind of curious. Yeah. So one of the things is oftentimes when they, when individuals reach out to me, they're feeling stuck, stale or struggling. Hmm. So usually it's one of those three things. They're stuck in something. They're trying to achieve this thing and they're not able to overcome that obstacle and they can't quite figure out what's next. They're stale where they're just kind of like blah. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's next and they just feel like they're just existing without really having vision or they're struggling. There's something very specific that they would identify as a struggle and a hardship and a difficulty or an obstacle that we help them come under. So what I would do initially is I would help them first look at real because I want to help shore up their identity. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, some of these things are about a portrait. It's not about necessarily just behaviors. With real manhood and this idea of R-E-A-L, I'm trying to paint a picture of a portrait of what this could look like. Now, there's lots of ways to get there, and there's conversations that we can have about how to achieve that. But first and foremost, they need to have a vision, a perspective. Because most young men, as they're growing up, they would say they don't have heroes. They don't. And if you would press most young men, they would not be able to identify another man in their life or another human being in general that ref- would reflect real hmm. at high levels. And and so they struggle because they it's hard to live out what you've never even seen. Yeah, for sure. And so I would go back to this simply to say, not as a prescription, but more of a portrait of this is what could be. Ideally, this is who you want to become, not just ways that you want to behave, but who you want to become. Yeah, I love that you've talked about that a couple times now, yep. the beliefs versus behaviors. And that really stood out to me because a lot of times we tend to teach on the behaviors that in fixing this thing or learning this new tool or do this thing differently. And if you address that, but you don't address the bigger picture, the belief, you know. We you, do that in every area of our life. I mean, even with physical health, you know, give me the pill. Or I'm going to do a quick workout. I'm going to work out for seven days and my life will be transformed. (laughs) And we think we're going to actually turn back the clock of five years of doing something in five weeks or turn back five weeks in five days or even five days in five hours. And so what happens is, is we just, we think more about these quick fixes, these band-aids as opposed to actually becoming. And so you've heard me say it and I'll say it again, but you're not going to wake up someday (laughs) having become someone you've not been becoming And so you said it's easier for us to talk about behavior because behavior is fast. And in this microwave culture, we want things fast. It's like, well, I'll just change this behavior. But we don't give thought to the fact that the behavior is coming out of somewhere. In fact, I would go as far and say that I know what you believe based upon how you behave. Mm. In fact, it's impossible for you to say I believe something without acting on it. If you say, I believe this, you're acting on it. If you're not acting on it, you really don't believe that. You can say you believe it. You give intellectual assent to something without believing. Yeah, Believing will always fuel behavior. So that corresponds with that particular belief. So if I'm going to help you change your behavior or improve your behavior, I'm going to go right after belief in the context of relationship. So I'm going to talk into your belief system while building a friendship with you that's unconditional. And it's in that environment. It's in that environment that people grow, where they experience unconditional relationship with truth and then behaviors and becoming and 
branding, as we talk about it in business, mm. all flow out of that later. Mm. But we want fast, so we go after behavior. And this is true of us even as parents. I mean, quite honestly, if my kid is throwing a tantrum, I'm wanting the tantrum to stop. stop. Yeah, now. <laughs> right now. Yeah. And so now I could stop the tantrum, but then what happens is, is, is even by shutting down that tantrum, so I say, you are not tantrum, stop tantruming, without dealing with the fact that there's that's coming, even that tantrum at two years of age is coming out of a belief system. There's something that child believes, desires, wants, and it's not happening. And so then the tantrum flows out of it. I can shut down the tantrum, but then if I keep doing that over and over again, I'm not dealing with the emotions underneath, the belief system underneath, the very, identity issues. Very the, very similar to Dr. Rocco's talk, you know, dealing with uh, yes. the symptom, but not w- the problem, the root yep. cause of why is that happening. Um, when if we're stuff. honest, and, and quite honestly, if we acknowledge it's the belief mm-hmm. as opposed to the behavior, we have to take a greater level of ownership. Mm-hmm. Whereas behavior, it's like, oh, I, I, you know, I'm not, it feels distant from me, my behavior, whereas belief feels very personal. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, it's the, the couple times these these themes keep showing up in the different domains and different you know speakers or experts we've had. We had one guy who runs a facility called Track Athletics and a great guy, and they have a great thing going down there. And I asked him what you know what the lasting change was for them you know when members who actually make significant change and uh i was thinking it'd be more like routine based or things and he said no it's this mindset when they made the decision that the person that they are physically is not doesn't line up with their belief system their self-image and when there was a tension between those two Mm -hmm. the people who made the shift and said that's not me those are the ones who actually made the lasting change and i think that's fairly consistent with what we're talking about right now well i think similarly i think if not only did they acknowledge this isn't me mm-hmm. but i'm actually to realize that i've chosen my way into the condition i'm in now because most of the sad situations and difficult situations we find ourselves is not a result of circumstances it's a result of choices we've made and so oftentimes we want to blame circumstances when the reality is we should be looking at choices so not only what you just described in regards to my identity but also the choices that I'm making over and over and over again, it has shaped my identity. It has shaped what I think about myself. It's shaping the condition I'm in today. But we typically want to blame something else. Mm-hmm. It's easier to blame something else. Hmm. And so we use language like, well, I can't do that. And the only reason I would ever say I can't do that is because I'm blaming a circumstance. As opposed to I won't do that, I'm acknowledging that I've made a choice. Oh, man choices well and that's my that, and quite honestly nick and you've heard me talk about this but that is my most important message and I actually made that comment i think that was a little provocative i think it caught guys off guard is that that's all the bible is that the bible is 100 percent about choices a god who chose to create adam and eve who chose to sin god chooses to forgive And then we basically have tens of thousands of choices kind of rolled out across the Bible. Mm -hmm. Everything is about choice. I am nothing else than the accumulation of my choices. And I think we want control in life, but the only thing I can control is my next choice. But what's cool about that is I have 100% control 
of my next choice 100% of the time. Yeah. So why don't we focus there? Because mm-hmm. it's hard. Do you think people just delay? Like, I'll get to that making better choices later. It's like, oh, for sure. They just want to delay, delay, delay. Well, I think the reason we delay is because we know it's going to be hard. And, and, that, and again, you've heard me say this, but delaying immediate gratification is the number one, I think, number one key to success. Dig it. Across, dig it, D-I-G, <laughs> dig it. That's right, you remember. But it's true, it, it is. We're it, making it's, shirts for it. Because it's so, it, it, I mean, it takes a lot to do something that is worthy and meaningful when I don't feel like it. Yeah. It takes a lot. Yeah, it, it takes that grit, that tenacity, that persistence, and we don't like it. We we would rather have a life of comfort yeah. than a life. In fact, I joke about it. The three things that whenever I'm feeling frustrated, I didn't share this, but you get some <laughs> new material today. Yeah. Whenever I'm feeling frustrated, usually one of three things is being infringed upon. Control, comfort, or convenience. If I'm ever feeling frustrated, it's probably because one of those three things has been violated. You're, you're messing with my comfort. You're messing with my convenience. Don't pull in front of me and go 30 miles an hour in a 60 mile an hour zone. Or you're, or you're, or you're messing with my control issues. Hmm. And so if you stay away, if you let me be fully comfortable, in con- n- never inconvenienced and in control, I'm a happy person. Hmm. The reality is <laughs> it's dangerous to becoming the best version of myself. Control, comfort, and convenience are actually threats to me becoming the best version of me Hmm. because it's going to fuel mediocrity. It's going to fuel entitlement. It's going to fuel this idea that life is about me. Hmm. It's it's funny, even recently I've been getting a lot of young men who will say to me, Michael, Michael, can we meet? Can we meet? How do I know God's will for my life? What is God's plan for my life? And I, and I love to tell them, I, I think that's the wrong question. It's a me-centered question. The question is not, what is God's will for my life? Hmm. The best question is, how does my life fit into God's will? Hmm. He's the center of the universe, not me. But we make everything about me getting, like that. experiencing what I want now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's delaying that's immediate gratification is completely contrary to that. Yeah, well, that feeds into the next point which is a great little segue for not about me but being a left giver versus a like taker and there's mm-hmm. lots of acronym you know lots of words that it means but just in general sense paint the picture of what you mean yeah by life giver I, again i was trying to capture in a word or in a sentence <laughs> this rare individual that i would meet on occasion where time would stand still and when i was in their presence there was so much life pouring out of them they were giving so much life, not even intentionally, but just they were so overflowing with life mm-hmm. that just being with them was so refreshing. Yeah. And that's when I kind of came up with this idea and this notion of being a life giver because they were awesome to be around. Mm-hmm. And when they walked into an environment, you could just feel that they were more interested in people than being interesting to people. And they were there to give and not get, serve and not be served. Be served. Yeah. yeah it was, it, and, and so I just kind of created that. I not created, but I just conceptualized this idea of life giver, mm-hmm. life giving. And then of course I created an acrostic, but we don't need <laughs> to go into all that, but it is, it's Which, loving. By the way, is extremely impressive. <laughs> and I find it helpful, honestly, like Good. The, the different ways. Cause it, my brain, I can come back to the, you know, 
the BCDs or the three Cs, whatever, all these things, they, they, they stick. Well, and I'm glad that they stick. And the wonder, and, and some people will say, Michael, you, you know, the things you're, you're talking about are so simplistic and they seem at times a little gimmicky, but I want to actually put big, bold ideas in bite-sized morsels that people can actually apply in 60 seconds because more can happen in a minute than can happen in a month mm. if we're intentional about that minute. What do you, I mean, I understand what you mean, but yeah. explain Yeah, so that could be a conversation. I mean, I could just be hanging out passively mm-hmm. with my spouse. Sure. I could be hanging out passively with my kids gotcha. while being on my phone for a month. Time could pass, yeah. But if I took a minute and I went eyeball to eyeball with my wife and told her she's extraordinary mm. and that she's beautiful and that life would be miserable without her and that she's a gift from God, I could do that in 24 seconds. I don't think that would really make a difference. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a huge difference. Or even the similar lady. You know, I have a policy in my own home that I've kind of created for myself. I have nine children. So I have a lot of kids, not all in the home right now because some have moved on and are older and so forth. But I presume that every time I walk into a room where only one child is present, it's a divine opportunity to sit down and make an investment mm. for one minute. Yeah. And now if there's two or three in the room, I'll just ignore them and walk by. No, I won't. But, I mean, <laughs> at times I will because they're playing a game and they're hanging out. But if but there's something about maximizing minutes. Yeah, those micro moments. Micro moments, I like to call them. And I think we we underestimate the power of those. So much can happen in 45 seconds. Yeah. But we just tend to think, oh, I need time. I'll get to that, like you said, later. Right. Um, But there's no guarantee of tomorrow. There's no promise of the next hour. Yeah. So if something comes to mind, why not do it now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do it now. I agree with you. There's no time like present how do you how do you balance that uh life giver mentality with how do you personally get away to recharge yourself where you're because you're always giving you're always you know giving these great this wisdom and coaching and consulting and giving all the time i mean just for for you i'm just curious how do you recharge yeah so self-care so obviously you've heard me talk about the 12 dimensions of life i make sure that i am making an investment in all 12 dimensions of life at least weekly Hmm. Um, one of my favorite things is obviously the physical dimension i have not found and 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 you know this may sound a little sacrilegious but i think more happens for me spiritually even to be more vibrant and more alive Mm -hmm. by how i treat my physical body than how i how i handle my spiritual disciplines really Oh, absolutely, hands down. I think so often, you know, we feel like the most important thing we can ever do is have spiritual disciplines, be praying and be reading the Bible and to be fasting or to be meditating or whatever. But what I'm finding is, is it's strange to me that the very same people often who are promoting those spiritual dimensions are completely abusing their physical body, the temple of God. Hmm where he lives and dwells within us. So abusing meaning they're just not taking care of it. They're not taking care of it by the food we eat or, uh, by not sleeping well, Mm -hmm. sleep rhythms. I talk about sleep rhythms, exercise routines, um, giving our body food Mm -hmm. as opposed to chemicals and sugar and I mean, real food. Yeah. Fuel. Yeah. Yeah, Real fuel that we'd see food as fuel. So I just think, you know, it's, it's funny. We tend to, in, in, in the Christian world, particularly, we tend to say there are certain kinds of investments um, that, like the spiritual dimension is far more important than the physical dimension. And yet, I don't know about you, gentlemen, but 
when I am sleeping well and I am eating real food and I am taking care and I'm doing great self-care of my physical body, yeah, I feel spiritually alive. Yeah. And so I think we underestimate that. So all that to say, the reason I've kind of conceptualized the 12 dimensions is I want us to get past this idea that my life is in compartments, that actually everything touches other areas. So my emotional well-being touches my relationships. My emotional dimension affects my relational dimension. My physical dimension affects my vocational, my career, how I feel at work. A lot of it depends on when I went to bed last night and what I chose to do that morning. Did I maximize my morning or did I roll out of bed 10 minutes before I needed to get to the office? Or I think that we tend to over-spiritualize those things. But here's the deal. I think it's easier to read a chapter of the Bible than to say no to gluttony. I think it's easier to give 10% in the offering plate than to actually have that really hard conversation to resolve conflict with the person we most love. We tend to um, over-spiritualize those things and over-emphasize those things that we feel like are doable. Hmm. But the things that are uncomfortable, back to comfort, convenience, and control, because even control, if I have those hard conversations, I can't control how that other thing is going to happen. But if I'm having just reading a, a chapter of the Bible, probably nothing bad is going to happen. Sort of all that. I can control that situation. Sure. So we're a little off topic from that. But I think that back to Life Giver, I think this idea that to be fully alive in all 12 dimensions, um, so we're talking about the 12 dimensions as well, I think it is really, for me, um, keeps me healthy. As well, I do have a very, very close inner circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Um I also have a really strong no. My no means no, and I say no a lot. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't fit in to my mission statement and who I feel like God's created me to be, I'm going to say no 100% of the time. And so that's really been helpful as well. And um, sleeping rhythms, eating real food uh, as well. And you said, no, Michael, you need to get away and recharge. That is a misnomer. I am a high extrovert, and so I don't need to get away to recharge. I'm recharging even now as I sit with you. Hmm. Because I've chosen this time with you because you're a life giver, Nick. And I love being here at University Tees and spending time with these guys. And so I don't feel drained by that experience. And so that self-care, by being here today, I'm actually injecting self-care. All right. Glad we, can, glad, we, <laughs> glad we could give a life-giving injection. Yep. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, absolutely. But just real quick, you mentioned, so you try to touch on one, like each dimension a week yeah at least how do you you think about that yeah so i just again on fridays i like to think back on my week and think to myself how has this week gone okay just simply reflecting what's gone well what's not gone well what's been hard little yeah just just i want to pause regularly and just ask and then i want to as i move into the next week on sundays typically i'm starting to think through my week not just what needs to go into my schedule but what are investments i can make in the financial dimension in the relational dimension, in the spiritual dimension. Recreationally, am I choosing fun that refreshes and rejuvenates or fun that numbs and distances me from important relationships and helps me escape from reality? So these are conversations I'm having in my head a lot. Mm. Now, one of the reasons is because I think about this stuff a lot. I'm talking about these things a lot. And so I I can just do a quick 
I like it, to, uh, particularly with my emotional dimension. I like, I like to every day pause and say, let me take my emotional temperature. Hmm. Like, what am I feeling? Am I feeling angry, sad, worried, happy? What, what's, and just pause. I, and again, you're picking up on a theme here. I regularly just pause hmm. and take a moment yeah. to think about how I'm doing, what I need, What's happening around me? Are there opportunities right here, right now, where mm-hmm. I can make an investment? I think we move too fast. I don't know who said it. I'm not. This isn't me, so I'm I'm not quoting myself here. But I forget who said it. But that I don't mind being busy, but I refuse to be hurried. Mm-hmm. I love having a full schedule, but I don't want to be hurried. Hurried begins to shift my emotional well-being Into from positive stress. to negative. Yeah, stressful because. I don't, busy's great because again, I have a very large capacity and I enjoy those, th- yeah. filling my schedule, but I don't want to be hurried and hectic because mm-hmm. then that leads, hurried leads to worried. Um, hectic. <laughs> I had a feeling this was going to go soon. <laughs> <laughs> Moving into the rhymes. <laughs> oh, I, I don't typically do rhymes. <laughs> Maybe it's a new, uh, it just came out of my, it Maybe just came to my head just dim- now. I think it's the 13th dimension. <laughs> That's hurried leads to worried. I like that. Hurried leads to worried. There yeah. you go. We just came up with something right here on this Boom. podcast. I think you've said that before. <laughs> I love it, though. So you just think, you're just kind of just assessing where you are and just making an adjustment. So you're making a weekly or maybe even more frequently than Not that. Not only just, just making adjustments. So I make adjustments based upon my Friday conversation with myself. But on yep. my Sunday, I'm actually scheduling my priorities. Yeah. So I'm making sure I put really important things into my calendar mm-hmm. that are immovable, yeah. that are real appointments, that aren't just meetings. Like? Like... Time to think. Yeah. Uh, dinner with my wife. Um, take 15 minutes here and call your son hmm. who's in med school. Um, connect with, and I think I shared this with you, but I have, uh, I already have a list every week. Part of Sunday is who are the, who are the 10 people I'm going to call or connect with on my commutes. I have five, five days mm-hmm. on the way to work and on the way back from work. I can write down in my in, in my kind of list who are the ten people I will connect with this week. If they don't answer, I leave a detailed voice message. I'm not gonna play phone tag. Hey, you phone tag, you're it. Phone tag, you're it. Phone tag. <laughs> but if someone doesn't answer the phone, I'm gonna use that as an opportunity to leave a thoughtful, yeah, appreciative. Why you called them? Intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Well, typically, why I'm calling is to say I care about you. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about you today, and I actually put in my schedule, and I'll tell them. Some people people think that's just a little weird, but I think most people feel cared for by that. Yeah. I wrote in my schedule on Sunday to make sure I connected with you this week because I want you to know that I care about you and I'm interested in how you're doing. It's awesome. So it's a micro moment. So it takes you're minutes. literally putting those in your calendar. I, uh, oh. not, those won't go in specific days, but they will go in a list. That you'll get to. That I will know. Them. These are the 10 folks I will be connecting with yeah, this week. It's very intentional. It's all about intentionality. Yeah. Life is too short to not be. One of your two favorite words. That's right. <laughs> Love it. All right, so... We touched on the 12 dimensions, um, which are, are great, and how you kind of assess yourself and, and look at it. What about the eight essentials? Because for the couple of times we've been together, this is something that you really you yes. constantly come back to. So I, I know it. you love it, and I love it. Well, uh, I, I just been... got a chance to share it with some of our team here today, and I think they were all nodding their heads like, yep, mm-hmm. I'm, on, I'm game on. So why these eight? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, the eight have actually come just out of my experiences with, organizations and human beings and friends and colleagues. And when people are succeeding, when people are experiencing success and really feeling like they are fully alive and 
in enjoying the best version of themselves, I was starting to identify what are the things that are present? What are the ingredients? What are the essentials? And that's when I, again, conceptualized. Now, they didn't all pop into my mind as peas, but there are eight peas. I have a couple of my changed just to make sure they were peas. But perspective, preparation, passion, priorities, a plan, proactivity, people, and persistence. Now, what I love about those is I'm finding organizations that thrive, human beings that thrive, Typically, all eight of those essentials, there's synergy between each of them. Mm-hmm. They have a great perspective. They have a dream of who I want to become and how I envision my future. We all need a compelling dream to keep going and to succeed. But then there's preparation. What do I need to prepare both in character and competencies to become that person? There needs to be passion. I need to care deeply about the things that I'm doing. What are my priorities? We just talked about that. Those outcomes that are most primary and important in my life. Got to have a plan, the decision to establish specific and achievable goals, but then also the proactivity. Most importantly, I got my plan. I'm feeling passionate today, but actually doing the details of the decisions I'm making on a daily basis. So yeah, I can set priorities, but without a plan, the priorities won't be accomplished. Without proactivity, the plan won't be accomplished. The next one is people. Without people, I'm going to I'm gonna bottom out anyways. If mm-hmm. I'm not living in deep community, back to E mm-hmm. and A, exhibiting honesty and integrity and appreciating transparency and connectedness, if I'm, not con- if I'm not fully known and unconditionally loved, if I'm surrounding myself with the wrong people or even I'm surrounded with the right people that I'm not being real with, that's going to be a problem in achieving success in life and becoming mm-hmm. the best version of me. And then finally, persistence, because hardship is coming. Trials are always there. Um, There will be struggles. Uh, My mentor once told me that life becomes less difficult when you simply accept that life is difficult. Hmm. The problem is we are so shocked when bad things happen to us. Mm -hmm. As though, what? This can't be. No, actually expect that life is hard. On this side of heaven, life is really hard. There's beauty. There's grace. There's joy. There's happiness. There's fun memories. But there's also pain. And misunderstanding hmm. and hurt. But we have a choice in those matters when we face those struggles, persistence or passivity, becoming bitter or becoming better. We have choices to make. Yeah. So I like this model because it allows me to be a diagnostic tool for when someone comes to me or even I'm looking in the mirror saying, I'm feeling frustrated. Yeah. I can very quickly just fly through those and ask myself, what's missing? Mm-hmm. Where am I weak? Where am I? Or what's absent altogether. Yeah. I've lost my dream. Yeah. Or I have no people around me right now mm. who I can journey with. Mm. Or I don't have a plan. That's awesome. I have no plan. I'm just kind of yeah. winging it every day of my life. We'll have to put this up, these eight essentials, on the, uh, the link of the pot so people can oh, see sure. and dive into the details if they want to see more. And I think the, like, the words underneath each one are, are really awesome. Perspective, the dream of who I want to become and how I envision my future. Which, you know, it comes back to the belief, which we were talking about yes. earlier. Yes perspective with a p absolutely of course <laughs> <laughs> all right this is man fire hose like i said i didn't know where this was going to go but so many good good things and tools and ways to assess you know what's going on let's let's um transition just a little bit um curious any in your in your life was there any big moments you were talking about things that happened or hmm. you know went wrong and 
stuff happens, you know, to all yeah. of us, right? It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's when. Um, were there any, like, pivotal moments for you where, you know, that you failed forward? Anything that you look back on and think, oh, that was a pivotal moment for me where I needed that kind of crushing thing to happen to? Well, thankfully, there's not been any that have been crushing that have taken me underwater and kept me there. But um, obviously, the death of my mother was a formative experience because she died at 36 of ovarian cancer. And mm. my brother and I were wondering, okay, what does this mean for us? My parents were already divorced and there were two kind of uh, marriages and we were kind of between two families at that point. And then of course my mom was diagnosed with cancer at such a young age and then passed on. Wow. But what's fascinating about that event is that it really opened my eyes to the reality of eternity. Mm. So I'm not sure I'd be doing the things that I'm doing today were it not for her death. That experience. Um, yeah, how, that was how powerful. Old you, how old were you? I was 15. You were 15. Yeah. And then obviously I shared this with the ISI guys too, but I think also early on in my marriage when I realized that I was not being the best version of myself as a husband and as a father, and then having uh, my mentor encourage me to do a funeral journal which I had mentioned and really beginning to think through who I wanted to be at the end of my life versus thinking I would magically become that person. That was a formative moment as well. And there's been several throughout the years. Most of them quite honestly have been around this idea of ambition mm -hmm. and also community that, and I think I still struggle because I do, I have so many dreams and there's so many things I want to accomplish. And I think I feel this, in a very real sense, the brevity of life, I just want to maximize every moment that there's a really healthy side to that, but yeah. then there's also an ambitious side to that yeah. where I may try to overextend beyond what God has called me to do. Mm. Um, so usually I'm just, and I'm pretty self-aware because I'm s reflecting regularly, I can come back to center pretty easily because I've kind of given up on the notion of being balanced. And we talk a lot about how do you, and I get this question all the time, Michael, how do you achieve balance in your life? And I say, I have never achieved <laughs> balance, nor will I ever. In fact, that's no longer the goal because it doesn't exist. Mm. So I don't focus on balance. I focus on rhythms to make sure that I'm instituting and injecting rhythms in my life that will actually help me have self-care. Yeah. Um, they go in seasons for you, like based on certain rhythms at certain times? Yeah. I mean, obviously the seasons of life give us a sense of that seasons are powerful. Mm -hmm. um, there are times to really work hard and there are times to rest. There yeah. are times... You know, I look forward to a good vacation with my family where we literally do nothing. But even then, I think so often we think, oh, we're just going to do nothing together. No, that's actually when I want to be just as strategic and just as ma maximizing micro moments, but I'm just doing it in a different way. Yeah. Not writing curriculum, not co coaching, not consulting, but actually having significant conversations with my family. Hmm. I love that. So, yeah, I think that there's been a couple moments like that. Um, but usually, and, and I talked about obviously ambition is slowing down and coming back and saying what really matters. But then also community. You know, I go in and out of, there's times where I'm, I'm feeling really transparent mm -hmm. and fully known, and there's times when, honestly, I'm wearing a mask. And so I need to be reminded, take down, drop the mask, be fully you. And even some of the things I was sharing with some of the folks here at University of Tees, mm -hmm. like that my identity is not a result of my performance and my position and how people perceive me. Mm -hmm. So I... I, I I'm not sure, I'm not sure, well, I know I'm not going to arrive, but also if I can make a, a mention, I think so often I've also rethought the, the Christian life and also rethought the human journey to not be climbing a mountain as much as running a track. Because so I think so often we think about climbing this mountain and leaving things behind, 
but I don't experience that in my own life. Hmm. My experience is, I don't know if you can relate, but I kind of run around the track and then I come back to that same thing that I'm learning. I was like, haven't I already been here before? And I'm oh, yeah. relearning it at a deeper level. Then yeah. I go around the track and then it's yeah. like, wait, I think I'm seeing, because I'm not sure there's any lessons that I've, that I've achieved or mastered, hmm. which I think the mountain idea, the mountain imagery gives you that idea, that yeah. notion. It's about running the track and continuing to go around the same place over, but deeper and with greater conviction and greater understanding and greater commitment. Yeah. That's helped me as I think about, and quite honestly, I think it's more biblical in nature anyways, this idea of running the race versus climbing a mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I like that, the difference there. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, just mentally, it gives you a different uh, approach to it. Yeah. But then we don't feel guilty. It's like, because so often I think I, I've normalized in my own life the fact that I struggle. Mm-hmm. And I have no, I am not naive to think that I am, even as I'm teaching these things, going to not struggle. Yeah. I embrace struggle. I embrace difficulty and I'm okay with weakness. Um, but I just want to get better and not use that as an excuse to not improve. And to be like, oh, I'll just, I, I just, if, if I hear one more person tell me, describe a weakness or a deficiency or even a sin as tied to, this is just who I am, my personality, mm. that's hard for me. Mm-hmm. Own it. Own it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. That's, that's, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. My pleasure. Uh, easier question. <laughs> Top, uh, I know you're on a hiatus from books because you're in creation mode right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, top maybe two to three books that you gift or recommend. Hmm. In parenting, um, I mentioned this, Grace-Based Parenting by Dr. Tim Kimmel. I talk a lot about that. Uh, I like a lot of John Maxwell's writings. I don't know if I can think of one, but even his, he has one that's really simple. Be a people person. Mm-hmm. Um, I love all the 21 habits, of, uh, uh, 21 indispensable, beautiful qualities of a leader, indispensable qualities. I forget how what they all are, but I read a lot of his work. Um, I do read everything Philip Yancey writes hmm. and Larry Crabb. I haven't heard of so, so, yeah. So um, Larry Crabb, obviously I've read, uh, I'm, I'm a very strong proponent of his book, Connecting. I would recommend to anyone that was transformational in my life. I also like the diaries of Jim Elliott. Hmm. And so... Um, yeah, so Yancey I read, Crab I read, um, John Maxwell I like to read. Um, you are you a listener or a physical book? Ah, uh, physical book. Yeah, yeah. I just started listening to podcasts. I heard there was this really good one called the ISI Life. So then I <laughs> chimed in for the first time. And <laughs> Appreciate it. Of course, it's awesome. When just uh, when do you read? I'm always curious when people read, like in their rhythms and the. Well, I don't read because, like I said, it's been seven years since I read a book because I'm in the. I mean, I'm in the. <laughs> if you hypothetically if I were, were hypothetically going to be reading, and that probably sounds now people are going to be like, "Who Jeez, is this guy on the podcast? He doesn't uh, read anymore." We'll, we'll trim this part. When again, I'm not trying to turn. I'm not trying to say don't read, but in my season of life, if you follow these people, yeah, yeah, I think I think one of the challenges is we tend to think that the answer to life's problems is more information. Yeah, it's not. If I simply read one or two books over and over again and applied what it said, Abraham Lincoln said that, not me, or just read a couple books over and over again and just do what it says. (laughs) He knew even then. I mean, we tend to think, I just, have you read, have you read, have you read? People keep saying, and and what I would love people to do is stop saying, have you read, have you read, instead of, have you applied, have you applied, have you executed, have you acted upon? We never ask that. We always ask, what have you read? As though there's something intrinsically powerful about reading. Yeah. 
in, in, in absorbing more information. I don't need any more information. Yeah. I need to do what I already know is true. Yeah. It's good. Thanks for the recommendations. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I agree. I mean, a lot of the, uh, tr- th- I look back on a lot of the books that I think made a big difference in my life and I, they're doggy, you know, ear and they're highlighted and I reread and rewrote, you know, and took notes and said, how can I actually do something with this? And, and, and I approach big... the Bible quite honestly, similarly in really? the sense that I don't always open the Bible and start reading some more. Hmm. I will start actually, cause again, when I read this, when I read the Bible, it's encouraging me to meditate upon it. Hmm. Not, in fact, I don't even see memorization in the scriptures. I see this idea of taking that hiding in my heart, meditate on it, think about it. So I'd rather take a verse and really think about it hmm. for 15 minutes than just keep reading more chapters. Hmm. Um, and so often, I, so I've, I kind of re, I continually reconceptualize what this spiritual, because even quite honestly, the Bible, once we're in the presence of God, isn't going to matter. Mm-hmm. It's a tool to actually be God's friend, to understand our friendship with him. I, I hear often, I see people, and we're back in the spiritual conversation, but this idea, I want to be a man of the word. Yeah. I don't want to be a man of the word. The word's going to pass. I want to be a man of God. Now, obviously, the word exists forever, but I'm not going to be in, in heaven reading my Bible. Mm. I'm going to be enjoying the very presence of God, worshiping God. I'm not going to be, well, let me go back and read Revelation. No, I'm experiencing Revelation. Mm. And so often the things that we put so much emphasis on are simply foreshadowings of the thing that most matters, mm. and that is being God's friend, being in relationship, deep, meaningful connection with God. Yeah. So I just don't so, need more information. Have you... Um Speaking of memorization, it's a topic that keeps coming up of uh, memorizing and having relevant, you know, verses top of mind. Uh, just curious. It sounds like you've maybe been around the on the loop on that one. Yeah. So I I used to I was mentored by someone named Jim Sylvester who still is a hero of mine, and he said uh, every year spend a year in a book and let the book spend a year in you. So even through college, I memorized Second Timothy, I memorized the Book of Ephesians, I memorized Philippians. So I started memorizing books of the Bible. The whole book. The whole book, yeah. But what was interesting about that is unless my heart was in a good place, it had no impact on me. Hmm. It would have been better for me not, because I actually found pride in the fact that I could say I memorized books of the Bible more than actually seeing that as an opportunity to encounter the living God. Hmm. It became an obstacle and a distraction from actually encountering God. So I'm not opposed to memorization because, again, I've memorized a lot of the Bible, Um and obviously my theology degree at Moody, Moody Theological Seminary helped me facilitate a lot of that learning and so forth as a part of my master's degree. But uh, at this point in time, I want to I grab a couple verses and think about them and ruminate on them and meditate upon them as opposed to just memorizing and saying I can actually, I don't want to lose that. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's what's great about ISI. And what we've done is, mm-hmm. you know, What's that works for you and for others? You know, they may they may have heard something from somebody else who said it a different way. And, yeah, sure. You know, sharpen each other in different ways, and um, I think it's great. It's, and there's no formula. That's what yeah. I love about ISI. Yeah. Again, even my interactions with other Christians, I'm in no way saying that this is the only way to do it. Right. No, but you. you asked about my journey, and yep. I think in many ways my journey, I try to remove everything from my journey to keep it simple. Yeah. And it simply is this: that I was created to be in a friendship with God. And anything that enhances that, I want to grab hold of. Anything that detracts from that or distracts from that, I'm going to let go of. Hmm. But even those things that enhance my friendship with God, I have to be very careful that they stay a means and never become the end. Hmm. 
So often that which is good, we make more important than it should be. Hmm. And we lose, we lose focus on what is most important. Um, even as a company, and I think we've talked about that, we talk about, even as I work with organizations, mission drift. We just forget. We just forget mm-hmm. um, what we're doing. What is the mission? Yeah. And obviously your mission here, obviously at University of Tees, I'm sure that everyone knows the mission, mm-hmm. but on any given day, some people remember it, some people don't. Whether they're in operations or in creativity sure. or in production, um, it's hard to remember mm-hmm. every day why. Yeah. No, for sure. Man, it's awesome. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to land the plane here. Um, yeah, there's so much. Maybe we'll need to do a round two. On, uh, Be glad to. Some of these because I got you, some If you invite thoughts. me back. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling our, our paths are going to cross in the future. <laughs> um, Toledo's not that far away. We'll, no, it's not. We'll come visit. Um, all right. So is there, what's the best way for people to connect with you and stay in touch with all the things DMB? Yeah, so I think the best thing is uh, DMB Coaching. So DMB, uh, Dr. Michael Brown Coaching, DMB Coaching. Um, you can go there for my website, dmbcoaching.com, or even DMB Coaching uh, Instagram, uh, Dr. Michael S. Brown on Twitter, Dr. Michael S. Brown on Snapchat. So yeah, I'm pretty interactive, um, And but I think the best place is through either Instagram or probably my website. Awesome. It's fun. Cool. Well, I just want to thank you for the investment you made in Iron Sharpens Iron and coming to the retreat. It was obviously, um, you were meant to be there. There was no accident. It was meant to be. And uh, I know a lot of the, the guys had a lot of impact and were very impacted. And today, spending the day with our company and interact with leaders. So I just want to thank you for the it's investment a, in our it's people. It's been a pleasure, Nick. It's, uh, My honor. The, the journey is just getting going. Good. Glad to so, hear that. Would you mind uh, closing us in a word of prayer? I'd be glad to. All right. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you are a pursuing God who thinks of us often and loves us more than we can ever imagine. Father, I pray for those who might be listening to this podcast today that they would be reminded that you created them for a purpose, chief of which is to be in a friendship with you. And I pray that those things that would muddy those waters or confuse or distract from the simple, pure joy of being in a relationship with our Creator, that you would remove those distractions. Father, thanks for um, ISI, for Iron Sharper's Iron. Thank you for Nick and for his vision and his heart and for those that he's working alongside of and helping uh, build this business of University Tees, but also uh, this ministry to men throughout Ohio and hopefully beyond at some point in time. So we're, we're, we're really thankful. Uh, we, we've talked a lot about wisdom and principles and practices today, and we acknowledge together that all true wisdom and all timeless principles, they come from you, that you are the source of all things wise and good. And we're thankful for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.